0: Uh, Hey everyone, welcome to the Good News Podcast. And today's episode, I'm going to give you a heads up right out of the gates. It's going to be a two-parter because this conversation is that good, it's that deep, it's that rich. This is someone who is a very, very special individual and is an entrepreneur like you would not believe. Her name is Rhiannon Roslin. She is the creator and CEO of Conscious Economics. We're going to tell you a bit more what that is all about and the vision for this business and organization that she runs that is blessing many many people she had been the uh working in the, with the economic club for canada as a ceo where they had people on their stage such as bill clinton and michelle obama and barack obama so she has been around if you will she's planned events for years and she is just an incredible individual i think the most important thing for you know as we head into this conversation is who she is I think you're gonna love who this person is. She is a person of, of, of great faithfulness, of creativity, of resiliency, and you'll hear all of that and more in her story. Friends, get ready to be inspired. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone, welcome to the Good News Podcast. So glad that you could join us today. We have an amazing guest that I know you're going to not only enjoy, but be incredibly inspired by. Um, Rhiannon, we've just been talking here. I, I felt like we've done about three podcasts, just getting ready here, getting have. set up. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Rhiannon, love who you are, what you bring to this conversation and, and to this world, to be honest. Um, let's dive in. Let's start with social economics uh, and, and just conscious ec- economics and how that got going and the vision behind that and what yeah. that's all about. Just yeah. really love what it's about. Thank you so
1: much. So, Conscious Economics is a platform in Canada that is really preparing people for the new economy. Mm. And when we say the new economy, what does that mean? Well, for us, it means the intersection of a few things working in harmony mm. the well being of people, the well being of the planet, the well being of business and using business as a vehicle for good, mm. and the well being of art and creativity and how those things intersect. And that forms the basis of what we call the conscious economy. Mm. Now, traditionally, when you think about the economy when you think about business we don't always see the well-being of people at the forefront of mm. that we don't see the well-being of the planet always being considered although that may be changing now and a lot of the times we have these notions around money and business like you know money is is you know evil or business is mm. all about greed or power yeah. and so we want to really change that and we want to oh. empower new people in that space and how that all started, that's a story. So I don't know if you want to get into it. I do, because, you know,
0: we got into that a little bit before we started. I think it's an okay. amazing story how you've shifted gears mm-hmm. through the pandemic. And, yeah. and my sense is this has been a piece of, of work that's been growing in you yes. over the years. Yeah. So yeah, let's, let's go back and kind of yeah, how do we got here?
1: I think so, because in order to really understand where this comes from, you do have to go a little yeah. bit back. So I'm going to take you cool. back to go forward. So I became, at 26 years old, uh, the CEO and president of a platform called the Economic Club of Canada. Mm-hmm. And this is the country's largest national business platform in the country. Now, being 26 years old, a young woman coming into that role, that makes no sense. It's like, how does that happen? And it was a really difficult situation that happened. Mm. So I was hired straight out of university. I was the first in my family to finish high school and to go to university. And when I got to university, I became really, really interested in the study of systems, the study of people, understanding systems of oppression, understanding colonization. How do these things work? Mm. And I was hired in an entry-level event uh, coordinator position straight out of like three weeks before graduating, got a job offer, finished my undergrad and went in and started working. And my first day on the job, we were hosting Bill Clinton, the former president of the United States. So here I am, I'm this young woman who grew up in, you know, a blue-collar family We didn't have a whole lot in terms of finance. I was an only child. I had a lot of difficulty in my younger years in school. Um, I got sort of lost and mm. was upset, I think, and trying to find my own way. And there was a lot of stuff going on in my household. And my mom was dealing with things and my other family members. And I got caught up in a pretty bad Uh, cycle very Mm. early on. And I had my first, I call it awakening at 15. Mm. And so at 15 years old, I was kicked out of school. I was dating a gentleman who was 26 years old and was involved in drugs and everything else. And um, I woke up one morning after a crazy night of partying and I went and I was washing my hands and I caught a glimpse of my own eyes Mm. and I don't know what happened, Hmm. but I couldn't look away from myself. And as I looked into my own eyes, I saw or I felt a remembering that this isn't what I'm here to do. And so I felt like I had to get out of the house. I needed to go into nature. I took a little piece of paper and a pen, crying feverishly, just something came over me and my hand just started to write. Mm. And I started to write goals for myself. It was the first time. How old are you? I was 15. Wow. It was the first time I've ever done that. And I said, I have to be the first person in my family to get an education. I can't keep, I'm going to end up in the exact same place that I'm so angry about Mm. right now. And so I made a commitment to myself that day that I was going to figure it out. And it wasn't easy because I was really behind. And, um, but I got back in, I ended up finishing high school, being on the honor roll in the end, getting into university, paying my own way, doing these things. And so for me to end up in this room with Bill Clinton, you know, two weeks after graduation, I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like, how the heck did I end up here? So I took it upon myself to learn everything I possibly could. I was like, if I'm gonna be an entry level events coordinator for this organization, I'm gonna be the best entry level events coordinator they've ever seen. So I started to try and learn the ropes. And because of the way I grew up, I was always comfortable with talking with many people. I was, you know, I learned a lot kind of being on the streets in those early years Mm. and just really kind of figuring things out. And so I applied some of those skills along with my education And I was a pretty good salesperson. So Mm. I started to bring more and more ideas into the organization and they kept promoting me, kept promoting me, kept promoting me. Well, eventually our CEO decided he wanted to run for public office. And this is now fast forward. We're in the 2011 federal election and they have asked me to step in to run the organization. So I've gone up the ladder over the years. and I'm 26 though. Wow. And so I've been there for a few years and I'm really good at my job. I'm really good at bringing in business to the organization. And so they say, you know, he's not going to win. So you, uh, if you could step in and just keep things going. (laughs) Okay. then It's just
0: an interim position. It's just an interim position.
1: He's definitely not going to win. And (laughs) then, you know, we'll come back and it'll all be good. And I didn't think much of it. I thought I can do that. I think I can do that. Mm. So there I was trying to do that. And then he won. And because of the nature of our work, it was this blind pass off. So all of a sudden now I'm 26 years old and I'm not just interim filling in behind the curtain. I am now stepping into this role. And so quickly as I sort of got into the role, um, I realized, A, I have no idea what I'm doing at this level. Like this is insane. And B, it's something that I call the glass cliff. What's a glass cliff? We hear about glass ceiling, women can't go beyond Mm. a certain point. What's a glass cliff? A glass cliff is when someone gets put into a position of power when things are right at the edge. And it was exactly that. So all of a sudden there's all this public information coming Mm. out. There's different issues with the business and there's creditors calling. And here I am thinking what the heck. And so my family and everyone around me says, well, you just walk away. Like you don't need to, um, you don't need to deal with this. And I actually, at the time I was having my first child as well. So I was pregnant with my first son. And so it seemed the best case scenario go and, you know, you have your baby and you've, find another call it job a day. Yeah. and yeah, call it a day and, and don't get involved, but something in me, wow. and this is this spirit. This mm. is this connection to mm-hmm. something that I have had mm. uh, my whole life. Something in me said, Nope, you're going to do it. You're going to figure it out. And you are going to step into the role. It mm. was given to you. The circumstance is what it is that you would never be here without the circumstance being the way it is. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest So this is the card you're dealt. So what are you going to do? So I ended up having my child a few weeks later, went down to meet with my predecessor and I said, hey, this is kind of a messed up situation. It's not looking too good. I would like um, 50% ownership of the management company, um, which means I'm taking on 50% of the liability of the debt that's here. And I would like a chance to try and restructure and figure it out. And, but I won't do it without some ownership, some skin in the game. And so everyone around me said, well, this is a crazy idea because you are taking on now like this, now you are liable for this. And um, I did it. And as I said, I was good at sales. And so I restructured our partnerships. I restructured, I turned it into a national organization from a Toronto based platform. And over those years, we started to fill the gaps and fill the holes. And it was a really interesting role to be in because I really had no, no credibility to be there Mm. other than Mm -hmm. I got in the way that I did. I hired a bunch of young women so that I could be a leader of someone and they could see something in me because I don't know. And, um, and we started to do our work and the goal was to keep, you know, the standard of the events and everything just as what it was, or if not better, Um, And we turned it into a social enterprise eventually. So I ended up buying out the other 50% in a couple of years when things got successful. Um, And then I turned the, I I created a not-for-profit arm. And so the hundred events that we were doing through the Economic Club of Canada, Mm -hmm. like I said, hosting these world leaders and and business uh, executives, all the ticket sales and the sponsorship beyond operational costs would go into our not-for-profit platform. And we've worked with over fifty thousand youth doing business and financial literacy programs, um, and this is what happened. So I just ended up in a really, really interesting spot that's Amazing. led me to some really interesting work. Wow. Um. Yeah.
0: And so you really like you 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 did a completely different direction with that company to go to go the social piece yes. in particular. It sounds in like in terms
1: a... of the way it was structured on the front end of the economic club side, and this is where conscious economics comes in. Yeah. On the front end, that business didn't really change. It was still the same kinds of leaders coming in. It was the same caliber of events. It was what I was doing with the resources and how I was putting those resources towards this other work. And so this brings me to where conscious economics comes in. Um, In 2017, it was Canada's 150th birthday. But we know that many indigenous communities, that's not such a celebration. Mm -hmm. That's sort of 150 years of colonization. And so we wanted to do something important. We had just been working in the Arctic regions of Canada and been traveling and working with our Inuit youth. And so we decided let's do a reconciliation program where we bring youth from all across the territory of Nunavut, which is a very large territory, um, spans all kinds of provinces. So it's huge land mass. And let's bring some youth from Ontario, from, you know, our urban center, and let's go up and live on the land in Nunavut for the first half of the program. Let's bring these youth that would never have ever, ever come together. Mm. And let's start talking about the issues and let's find where we have common ground because common ground is what we need in yeah. order to build these new systems. So we were up in the Arctic And again, this is what I call my second awakening experience Mm. in my life. So we were up there and while I was there for the first couple of days, I felt this connection to the land, this connection to myself, this connection Mm. to God, like never before. It was beautiful, it was pristine, it was sunny. And the, the youth were getting, you know, so enthralled with each other and learning so much. And I just felt so much power and on the 4th day while well, we were supposed to go back into the main so we were out living on the land and then going to go back into the main city and then have our second part which was all of us coming back to Toronto wow. and having our second portion of the camp for the second week in the urban center And bringing, so bringing each, people yeah. with you to yeah. Toronto yeah so we from all there. got to go up there and then we all it wow. was called north meets south and so As we're getting ready to leave on this final day to go back into our, you know, main lodge in the city center um, in Iqaluit and then leave the next day, this big storm comes in. The sky turns green. It's the creepiest looking thing I've ever seen. Mm. And the energy of it, I just felt something big is coming. And it was. So we couldn't, it's the second highest tide in the world. People don't realize this. We're up in the Arctic, you know ocean and the expedition team said, we can't take the boats in that got us to the mainland. We are going to have to be airlifted out. But because it's such a small community, there's only one helicopter. It can only fit six people at a time. We were 50 with all of us. And so it was this whole piece. So I said, okay, we're going to figure it out. We're going to have to get everyone into certain groups and we're going to have to do this all day coming back and forth. And we were supposed to leave already. So we'd run out of supplies. And then he, just as I'm getting everyone kind of organized and trying to keep my calm, um, he comes back and says, you know, the helicopter can't even, it's the the winds are too strong, it's not gonna work. Mm. So I said, well, what do we do? Well, a 50 uh, foot boat of a fisherman in town said he's willing to try and come do the rescue. And this wow. was the language. And I thought, what the heck have yeah. I gotten myself into now? Like this is this is beyond anything I could have imagined. So the fishermen ended up waiting for the tide to come in, took the 50 foot boat. We had to take little boats, jump onto this other boat, get on. It was extremely scary. Um, And in that moment, when we got on the boat, I thought, okay, we've made it. It's okay. We're going to get through this. People started getting sick. It was, you know, nine foot swells, but I thought we're going to make it until, you know, people talk about a near death experience and they say they kind of get a flash of their life. So I started to have this all of a sudden, even though I'm on the boat, I start to experience this life review. Like I'm seeing everything from when I was born to all the decisions that have led me up to this point. And then I hear this little voice Mm -hmm. come in and it says, are you gonna stay or are you gonna go? And I thought, what the heck? And I mean, this is happening all very fast, but I said, I'm gonna stay. And just as I said that an Anchor, that was up connected came and just missed my head by an inch. So it could have just killed wow. me. And so it wasn't that the boat was gonna sink. It was that this yeah. thing was there and that was just an unbelievable. So the, the resounding message, I mean, we were all very sick and traumatized and all the mm. things. We ended up still running the rest of the program. Everyone <laughs> was okay. Some people had to go to the hospital, but wow. everyone was okay. Um, but when I got home, I couldn't shake this, what had happened. And I knew that I had deeper changes that I had to make as an individual. And I knew that I had deeper work to do Mm. and I didn't know what it was, but I continued to sort of follow, follow my guidance, um, follow in my meditation and my prayer. Mm follow the messages that I was receiving and the message really was conscious economics. And I was like, what is conscious economics? But conscious economics, we think of, like I said in the beginning, business, the economy being this place of, of hurt, of pain, Mm -hmm. of greed, of despair, of of all of that. Mm. And and really what an economy is, is it's an expression of our value system as a society. And so consciousness is just another word for awareness, a deeper awareness. If we bring that deeper awareness into the way we think about these systems, what could be? Mm. And if that awareness isn't just what's in our minds, but actually connecting into what our hearts have to say and the wisdom of this part of ourselves, what would we build there mm. and so this is the the spirit of conscious economics it's this understanding that We can build something Mm. that is more compassionate, that is more creative, that is more equitable, but it starts with us finding in ourselves, where are we holding the belief that that's not possible? Mm -hmm. Where are we, you know, articulating that pain point out into the world and how do we heal within ourselves to transform an economy? Mm -hmm. So these are some of the big questions and, and some of the work that we've now started to set out on.
0: Incredible! Oh my yeah. gosh, I got like a zillion questions. But like, let's go back to when you were fifteen for a second. Yeah. Like, how did those goals then? Yeah. That, that you were gifted. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. How did they connect in with this? You know, mm-hmm. how did how did yeah? What were what were those goals? That, that, well, that,
1: the the goal really there at fifteen was I knew that I needed to get off the track that I was on. Yeah. But I will say, and I don't want to sugarcoat that. When you're making a big life transformation, mm-hmm. you take steps. Mm-hmm. And the step that I took, because I was very much involved in some drugs and some different things that weren't going very well, the step I took was I'm going to get myself back into school, but I had terrible anxiety mm-hmm. and I had terrible, you know, things that I was dealing with from some of what I was exposed to mm-hmm. from those years of being in the situation I was in. Mm-hmm. And so when that started to bubble up, I didn't know where to go or, mm-hmm. or what to turn to. And so, again, I started to use alcohol. And so I was going to school, doing great, but I was drinking Mm. to be able to deal and handle with things. And I say that very honestly because you don't go from being in the situation that mm-hmm. I explained to going over here and it's all perfect and then it's a perfect yeah. story. And so again, in, you know, when you hear my story, you'll hear a lot of drive. You'll hear, wow, you've yeah. taken these risks. You've done all of these different things, but there is always another side yeah. to those pieces. Yeah. And so in the 2017 awakening, what I really needed to, to, to do was to walk a sober path. Mm. And so this was where I made the final release of, I'm not going to run from my anxiety. I'm not going to run from the things that have happened Mm -hmm. to me. I'm going to bravely face them, but I'm going to face them with my greater power beside me. And I'm going to transform that way. And so that is a really interesting Mm. thing to talk about. And we all struggle in different ways. And I think that sometimes when we hear really cool stories like this, we think, oh, this person's Got it all figured out. Nobody has it all figured out is the truth. But we do have these parts of ourselves, these higher... Parts of ourselves that mm-hmm. we can access and we can start to build that relationship with that part of ourselves where we can start to walk as that part of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. this is the journey I'm on now. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I love how you've named that, like, because it is, it's an amazing story. I mean, mm-hmm. we were talking earlier, isn't it cool when you look back at your story and, and God has you amazed at your own story in, 100%. in some ways, right? Like, that's awesome. That's reflection, yeah. that's a power of reflection. But I love that you've also named that. As good as it sounds, there were some challenges along oh, the way. Yeah. I, I wonder, as a 26 year old leader and 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 a female leader, we want to talk about just the role of women, how we can all work towards continuing to to move in there what we believe is the absolute right direction yeah. um, around equality. Mm-hmm. Um, but but as a 26 year old young a uh, uh, female leader yeah. um my guess is you needed to exhibit a confidence you know oh, yeah. right but but down deep like my exact okay so Huge. um yeah so yeah. what what yeah how how did you what were you experiencing down deep um maybe those things that back then you you realized i didn't want anybody to know that even if i knew that or exactly. even if i wasn't quite aware of it yet it was yeah. fun and then how did how did you transform or how did god transform and transition that to what you did yeah because my guess is for a lot of us well, let's face it, it doesn't matter what age, what gender, what sexual orientation, mm-hmm. we all experience that yes. in human, as human beings. Yes, we do. Probably most days, if well, most of are being honest. But yeah, like that yeah. confidence, that amazing leadership that you were so able to offer, mm-hmm. how did you get there yeah. with the realities of just human insecurities and all those Thank kinds of you. things that we all deal with?
1: Thank you for that invitation to speak about that because it is such a big part mm-hmm. of it. And in the beginning, this whole story that I've shared with you right now, I wasn't publicly sharing that story. Mm-hmm. Of course not. I was trying to blend in. Mm. I was trying to fit in. And I didn't fit in. I stood out like a sore thumb because not only was I, you know, a, a woman in this role that we were still in a very male-dominated mm. space mm-hmm. um, in terms of upper financial services and and everything else, but I was really young. And so, and I, even now my voice sounds young. So I I tried to disguise myself. If I'm really, I, I got fake glasses. I don't need glasses. You can look back to newspaper articles and Google and see me in these glasses going around. I was trying to make myself dress a certain way. I was really trying to hide myself. And what I found is I was hidden. I was overlooked. I was sort of at the table, but I wasn't actually at the table. Mm. People would kind of speak over me. I didn't feel like I had any handle or grasp on any of it. And it finally got so exhausting, Mm. trying to be somebody else, trying to pretend that I hadn't experienced the things that I experienced. And so I don't know what came over me, but eventually I got just tired with my own self and tired with perpetuating the biases that I felt other people were putting. I was acting them out as if they Mm. were true. And I just thought it's a unique situation. I know that I'm really darn good at my job and that I've gotten myself here. No one else needs to know the whole story at this point, but I know it. Mm -hmm. So I need to use this opportunity and I need to be able to think about all the young women that are going to come behind me, that if I've set a new ground, that maybe next time somebody walks into a boardroom that doesn't look like it, there will be a new precedent set. Mm -hmm. And so I dropped the phony nonsense. Mm. I started to be very, very in just in my own identity and authenticity, talking about my struggles as a young person. And that's why I started the junior economic club. Cause I was like, I've got all this privilege now. I have access to all this power, all these people that have so much influence, but I know where I came from. I know who I was. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's so many other young people that are probably feeling just like me, not a part of it not seeing their through line into how they could Mm. participate, not seeing how, how do we make a change when we haven't witnessed that change or transformation or seen someone that looks like us in that space. Mm -hmm. And so as I opened up that work, it started to open up something in me that I realized I'm here for a purpose. Mm. I'm here to use this. This is a gift, this gift of feeling like you don't belong. Well, maybe you're not supposed to belong. Mm. Maybe you're here to change it. Mm. And so once I started to do that, it wasn't that anyone else had changed, but I changed. And as I changed, people started to treat me differently. Mm. People started to take me more seriously. They started to really wanna know my story. How did you end up here? And yeah. what's this all about? And people wanted to support it. Mm. And again, with you know all the young women that were behind this big business platform, because we were, we were a group of young women running this, and we started to change the discourse in the country. We thought, if we don't have to just do what we think people want, of course we'll give them what they want, but if we're here in this position, what do we want to hear, mm. you know, be spoken about on the platform? So we started to slowly transition the conversation that, you know, the Economic Club is not just about monetary policy and bankers, mm. it's about the well-being of our people and mm. planet and reconciliation and equity and all of these other themes and it really started to feel really special. I Mm. I can't explain it. I'll Mm. cry Mm. if I think about it because there's nothing like that.
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the world needs that. Hey, the like, world like, needs us
1: all to be yeah, ourselves yeah, yeah. and to not have shame in yeah. the hard things we've gone through yeah. because we will continue to go through different things, but there is yeah. nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah. There really isn't. And so that's why I tell that part of the story. That's why I share so candidly. Absolutely. Because, you know, we all have parts of ourselves that we want to hide away. Yeah. But when we embrace that we're a full spectrum and that we're loved no matter what, yeah. and we're here for a purpose no mm-hmm. matter what. That transforms the world. Mm-hmm. That energy transforms mm-hmm. the world. And, yeah.
0: and and amazing how you you actually were able to thrive so much more. When you were just okay with just being you, you know, it's so and what so important message for people to hear because it's so yeah. hard to be somebody else. It's so much
1: work. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so much work. It's and, exhausting. And the deeper
0: things, the acceptance of, of oneself that comes with that. Let alone yes. you, you have a greater acceptance of others too, because you want them to be nobody but just themselves as well. Exactly. And you create this culture and atmosphere that is it, it's transformational, No matter what your business or operation or organization exactly. is about, I, I absolutely agree. Oh my yeah. goodness, yeah, yeah. Now, now with the the shift in the in the um, the role of of economics, uh, mm-hmm. from you know a money making mm-hmm. piece to a social consciousness, um, like that's so at the heart of what you're doing and the yeah. vision that that God has blessed you with. Um, just I, I really deeply appreciate that. You know, mm-hmm. um, in fact, in Scripture, people think it, it says that um, money is the root of all evil, but it actually says the love of money is yes. the root of all evil, mm-hmm. yeah. and going back to something you said earlier, it's about what we do mm-hmm. with the economy. It's what we do exactly. with the resources that we're blessed to 100%. receive and to bring in. How has that, that's a huge shift. It you know, my, my sense is um, y- y- some would be all over the top excited about that, mm-hmm. but some maybe not so much, don't even get it. You know, so what's that, yeah, what's that been like? What's the response to that? And yeah. like, as you move forward, that forward, that vision forward, And with different kinds of people. Mm -hmm. 100%. Mm -hmm.
1: So I think it's been a mixed reaction, of course. For sure. And I think that when I launched this, this was pre pandemic, I really think the business community thought I might have lost it a little bit. Like I was going out on this ledge that was like, what is this? Where is she going with this now? And what's happening? And, you know, let's get back to business. But what's so interesting is how how life really works and how God works Mm. and God always does have a plan. Mm. And so when we fast forward to now people are much more receptive to thinking about how we can transform and how we can change. And so like we said in every difficult moment is also an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard and deep. When we think about what we've been through right Mm -hmm. now and the people Mm -hmm. we've lost and the different challenges we face, but it is a ripe opportunity. Or a new, sublimely different way to think about it. And so when I think about money, I think of money as a neutral, it's a neutral Mm -hmm. element that we give value to. It's the way we work with it in society. And what I really think is that there's a lot of people generationally that haven't been able to experience what it feels like to have that kind of currency in their possession. Mm -hmm. They've been told that that will never happen for them. And they've been actually told to kind of hate it or stay away from it because they've seen the pain and the suffering that it's caused. And Mm -hmm. I was very much the same. When I started earning more money, because of the household I grew up in, because of, you know, my mom was in a abusive relationship growing up and money was sort of why she had to stay from what I heard as a kid. So I didn't like mm. money either. Mm. So when it started coming into my life in the beginning, I wanted to keep giving it all out. But to, to be back in that deficit position, because that's mm. what I felt I deserve wow. and that's what I felt was comfortable. Yeah. And so one of the first things that we do because I spent a lot of years doing financial literacy and we're talking about saving and investing and you know what I realized it doesn't work hmm. because you can learn all of those things and you can still behave in a completely different way. Hmm. So what we do now is actually financial therapy hmm. and we are democratizing access to financial therapy meaning that we have an emotional relationship with money. Mm-hmm. Just as we do with everything else, Mm -hmm. we've got beliefs and values that are instilled in us, whether they be through society's lens or whether it's something that happened in your childhood or your household. And so we got to know what's down there before we can start to even imagine creating a more conscious understanding of what it is. Mm -hmm. The other piece is that money is not the only currency in this economy. Mm -hmm. And one of the, you know, so what are the other currencies? Our health and our well-being, which we've just seen yep. through this pandemic, is probably one of the most important currencies. Mm-hmm. Look what happens when something puts that health and well-being at risk. An economy globally gets shut down. Mm-hmm. So health and well-being being a currency that we need to start to value just as equally as we do the monetary exchange. Understanding that sustainability for our planet, the 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 land that we stand on, that's a currency. Yeah. How do we protect that? How do we ensure that that currency is invested in so that it's there for future generations? What about creativity? Hmm. Without creativity, you don't have joy in Mm -hmm. your life. If you're not, you're a creative being. You know, God put us here on the planet to be creators, Mm -hmm. to be able to connect and build and make things from this higher Mm -hmm. consciousness, from this state of enlightenment. Mm -hmm. And so what does that look like and how can we start to actually work with some of those currencies? So these are not things that I know and I, um, you know, this is the way it is. And it's only that because it's for all of us to build. Yeah. So I'm just creating a container to have these kinds of conversations and I'm taking my own lessons that I have experienced through life and my own knowledge of how the system and the economy works, which I did get a front hand seat at over, you know, over Mm -hmm. a decade of being at the helm of the Economic Club of Canada. I understand how the system works, but I also understand what's been missing um, and and how everything's kind of interconnected Mm -hmm. and sometimes we don't see that. So that's the basis. And um, it's interesting because we work with all people. So we really are about bringing different generations, different race, mm. religion, culture, all around the same awesome. table. And that's that prayer of unity that I think we're really being asked to walk right now in mm. this time. Mm. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, and that's a, that's, a, that also could be a very different leadership style yeah. than some, um, who have worked traditionally in the economic circles would be used to. like. And I I, love, I just love the collaborative nature of what you're talking about, yes. creating that space where we all can come together and put our, our creativity, our energy, our resiliency, our ideas, uh, all of it together. Yeah. Um, what's that been like and how has that been received? And yeah, just a little bit about how you lead. Yeah. I, I think that's unique to what you're doing as well. I think that how you're doing the
1: way I lead is based on me knowing (laughs) that Mm. I don't know everything and that I really haven't. And so it's this idea of taking the traditional hierarchy. I'm making a little triangle shape Mm -hmm. right now for Mm -hmm. those listening on audio and flipping it down into the circle and saying, how do we actually equalize the contributions? We're all going to be better at some things and be able to contribute at different capacities, but how can we actually work and, There is, I've done a lot of work with uh, indigenous leaders and indigenous Mm. elders all across uh, the country and in other parts of the world. And one thing that's talked about a lot is this, this prophecy, this idea that there will be a time on the planet where all of us will have to come together. Mm. And I really do feel like we're witnessing that right now, Mm. that each of us, each race, each religion, we all hold a little piece Mm -hmm. of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. And that if we can actually come together, we can form something new Mm -hmm. and spectacular. And that that is the will of Mm -hmm. our creator Mm -hmm. coming through us, which is really beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so our tagline at Conscious Economics is, co-creating the new economy radically with love. Mm because we use love as the medicine. Mm. We use acceptance as the medicine. Yeah. And that's where, you know, the idea of healing comes in. We have economic healing sessions. They're free every month. Anyone can join with our in-house financial therapist and they get to come and unpack some of these things because we can't form something new without dealing with what we're holding on to and what we're perpetuating ourselves. Yeah. So it's really interesting to see how that co-creation has allowed us to grow so much more quickly been able to, you know, inspire us to work with other like-minded organizations and invite more people in and it takes the pressure off. Absolutely. Because leadership on your own in the mm-hmm. tiny little, you know, chamber by yourself, yeah. well, it stinks. Yeah. Like no one wants to do that. Mm-mm. I certainly don't. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, so if we're gonna be able to sustain the momentum we need with all the challenges we're being presented in our life we have to be able to rely on each other. So Mm -hmm. I think that is the new economy leadership. And I really see young people, and in particular women, really embracing this again and understanding Mm -hmm. that, especially for us women, the way it's been set up as moms and what Mm -hmm. has been expected within work, it's really not been working so well. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so we need to actually readjust even our model of what we think work is and how we show up to work and Mm -hmm. all of these things are on the table, Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, friends, what what an amazing what an amazing person! It's just just I, I was amazed to hear at where God had brought her at age 26 to be to be leading an organization like that, and, and just the way the circumstances sort of happened that she fell into this role. But I, I love the. I love the humility and, and the grace and the, the realness. Obviously someone very accomplished, someone who has incredible drive and, and, and resolve, but, but also very real to, to acknowledge that there's times where um, it's hard to be confident and we have self-doubt and, and those kinds of things. You, you know, So just really appreciate who, who, who Rhiannon is and incredible, incredible the way that God kept working in her life at these different stages. Uh, that that moment when she was 15, when she was 26, and it just continues on. You're going to hear that again next week, friends, as we continue this conversation with Rhiannon. Really hope you can join us. We're going to go deep on some stuff that uh, you're going to find, I think, transformational and inspirational. So hope to see you again next week for part two. Friends, don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Good News is Jamie Holtham. God bless you.